Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Friday morning, and the million-dollar question in Philadelphia was, what in the world happened to our $128 million quarterback? Maybe we get some answers on this Friday morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin what up? with you. It's a football Friday. What up to you, Key? We're getting ready for the weekend. Jay will be back with Man, us on Friday, Monday. Yeah. It is Friday. Bart Scott is going to be with us in an hour to talk a little football as well. The 11-year NFL veteran. And Key, let's get right into it with a little football. It's a Thursday night game. It's the start to week seven. People are like, ah, a one-win team against another one-win team. But the subplot was one of those two teams really had an opportunity to save their season. The team that won is waking up this morning, Key, with a point three. Five seven winning percentage. That's a good World Series batting average for somebody on your Dodgers. Yeah, that's fine. But the Eagles have done it. They escaped. They are two four and one, and in first place. Pretty entertaining game. It was good for a couple of bad teams. It, it was a good game. I, I had to to do obviously do our show yesterday, and then went home, took a quick nap, drove to Bristol to uh, do NFL Live, mm-hmm. turned around, got back home. You know, ordered some Italian food, made sure that I got my you know Italian stuff together. I was telling Paul or a stage manager here that I feel, you know, I feel Italian. It's like every day, whether it's a pizza, whether it's lasagna, it's just, yeah, I got something going from the Italian world. So I had that set out, ate a little bit, and uh, start watching the game, and the game became entertaining. You know, Carson Wentz did what he was supposed to do. He had an interception. He, You know, that, that particular throw to me was a little ill-advised. I guess it, it looked like he was trying to throw it away. But the defensive back made a really, really great play on it. You had to give credit to him. But the Philadelphia Eagles did what they were supposed to do. They beat a team that was bad. <laughs> they, they at times uh, looked like they could potentially pull away in the division when they had Deshaun Jackson on the field. When Deshaun Jackson went away from me late in that game, I was like, okay, now this thing switches back to a winnable division for whoever because he gave them a spark. He gave them something on offense from the first play on the reverse to the next play on a hitch. You could feel that it was going to be a good night for Carson Wentz. The ball was coming out of his hands with rotation. He looked comfortable in the pocket, Z. It just it, it, it was a good game for him. Uh, and I thought Daniel Jones played well. I thought he played well for the young quarterback. Uh, Ingram didn't help him dropping the late touchdown. It should have been a late touchdown. Um it it was just a, it was a good game, I guess. And when you look at Carson Wentz and you look at the Eagles, it gave you hope that they could pull away and win the division based on the way the Dallas Cowboys played against uh, Arizona and the way Andy Dalton played. Carson Wentz is now the best quarterback in the division without Dak Prescott. I'll say it again. Now he's the best quarterback in the division with Dak Prescott not able to play the rest of the year. Before that, it was Dak Prescott, and Carson Wentz was somewhere fighting for the second spot with the other three quarterbacks in the division. So let's stack it up. The Cowboys wake up this morning at 2-4. and four. The Eagles are 2-4-1, and one, so they slightly, by a few one-thousandths of a percentage point, or about three one-thousandths of a percentage point, are in first place. The Giants and Redskins are one-win team. So how do you stack it up right now with the division with right now Philly waking up just a hair in front of the Cowboys? In that decision to tie the game, I think it was week two mm-hmm. of the football season for Doug Peterson, looks different now today as they wake up, right? It may look different next week if they lose and Dallas wins or something like that. But today 
people are happy in Philadelphia that he did go for a tie when he basically was put on, on, on notice to a degree for going for it, not going for the win in week two. You, you got to be happy for Philadelphia. They've, the fans should be happy. You win the division. You get a home playoff game. Anything can happen when you get into the playoffs. So I know it's a long ways away, but they are on course. There's no question about it. Also, think about that game you're referencing against the Bengals. The next day, Doug Peterson was on the radio in Philadelphia. The slings and the arrows were coming, but you're right. Getting a T instead of an L might be one of the biggest. I still wanted to go for the W, but I get it. In that situation, but with every little thing matters in this particular division. Real quick, we're going to mention Daniel Jones. You said he had a pretty good game. There was one thing I think he'd like to have back that in just a second, but the winner of this division is going to host a playoff game. I am with you. You have said before there are many people that have said if a division is this bad, do you certainly reward a team that wins this division with a home playoff game, especially when you're expanding the playoff field, making it even easier to get in? Shouldn't you have to fight for the right or shouldn't you have to justify that? I'm a big believer in the sanctity of the division. Winning the division, you play each division foe two times. You're playing a division foe in week 17, so the league has essentially said not only do we think it's important, we're going to make sure everybody plays a division foe in week 17 for the sanctity of the schedule. Maybe it's old school, maybe it's traditionalist, but I do believe if you're going to make me play my division foes more than anybody else and make me end my season by playing a division foe, you are telling me there is importance in winning the division no matter how bad you are. I guess you're in lockstep with me. No matter who wins this division, they should host a playoff game. Absolutely. Even if they have a far inferior record to the a- team that's a- walking in. Absolutely. You know, take, for instance, a third team, that comes out of division, you get three teams that come out of the West in, in the Rams or, or whoever, Rams, 49ers, Arizona, Seattle, whoever comes out of the West or, or for that matter, comes out of the South or any of those other divisions in the NFC. And they're in third place with a better record. Do they deserve a home playoff game? They didn't win their division. They didn't win their division. But let's, say, let's assume that they don't win enough games within their division, but they win enough games overall to have a better record than somebody in the NFC East that won the division. Do you allow them to have a home playoff game? Hell no. They didn't win the division. This is, we won our division. I don't care if we 5-11. and 11. We won our division. And for the purposes of context, the Seahawks won the division at 7-9 and nine in 2010. And this is one people don't talk about. People mention Seattle all the time. The 2014 Panthers won the division at 7-8-1, and one. so it wouldn't be truly well, unprecedented. I know, but the difference is Seattle beat a, a New Orleans team that was heavily favored. In a playoff game. In a playoff game. In their home stadium. In their home stadium. So that's why the Seattle thing is always talked about opposed to the Carolina Panthers that won at 7-8-1. and one. Right. Now keep in mind with the Eagles tie, they could certainly finish 7-8-1. and one. We'll have to wait and see if that is enough. You mentioned Daniel Jones played pretty good football, but there was one thing. We love talking about golf on the show, right? Key, tongue planted firmly in cheek. A mulligan. Daniel Jones would love a mulligan to do over on this play in the third quarter when it looked like he was wide open, ready to go, and ready to put six dun, dun, on the dun, board. The G man. He then, could go all the <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, that way. is key doing boomer this is merrill reese on the call last night first and 10 giants ball at the 12 gallman the running back give goes to gall no it's a keeper it's a keeper jones up the right side of the field he's at the 40 he's at the 30 he stumbles and goes down outside the 10 
He ran on a keeper and just ran the length of the field, had nobody catching him, but he tripped over his own feet at the eight-yard line. I'm sitting there last night and I'm watching the game uh, with some friends, and we're talking about, you know, the game, and he's a heavy Eagle fan, big-time Eagle fan, and Daniel Jones breaks open, wide open. And I'm like, man, don't worry about that. He's getting ready to fall. He's getting ready to fall. Dude, fail. And that's because his legs were running faster than him. <laughs> you know, it was like it, he, he, he was running so fast he couldn't control it. I don't know where he got that boost from, and I'm sure in his mind he was saying the same thing. He probably felt like he was on a treadmill. That was on Sports Radio WIP, and we should quickly mention that he fell down about the 15. His forward progress took him down to the 8-yard line. It was like a slip and slide if you were like a kid. Should have been an 88-yard touchdown. It ended up being an 80-yard run and one big blooper. And a lot of the Twitter uh, trolls from the NFL was just on top of him. Uh, it was crazy. Raekwon McMillan of the Oakland Raiders tweeted out, turf monster, because usually that's what we call it when you fall and nobody's around you and you're running. It's just like the turf just – jumped up and grabbed you out of nowhere. And if you were watching the game on Fox last night, you saw they cut to his teammates on the sideline. They were all laughing at him. It's all good. A tough one for the Giants. Well, that's though. not all good if you down your chose, though, right? <laughs> that's fair. Fair enough. We'll see the Giants and the Eagles again in about three weeks' time. We're asking on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed this morning one other NFL topic, which is really juicy. Hasn't gotten a lot of play this week, Key. Who would the Pats be better off with, Cam or Jimmy G? The reason we're asking that is the 49ers are making their way to Foxborough this Sunday. Be a part of Keyshawn J. Will Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. So go ahead and give us the vote right there. Key J and Z, Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, Cam or Jimmy G, who would they be better off with? The guy they got or the guy they could have had but let go? On the way, more NFL. Why the John Gruden Bowl might be in jeopardy of not happening this weekend. The Bucks and the Raiders with COVID being the real winner. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Those are the words of Adam Schefter, and that has really reconfigured the most watched sporting event of the week, which hasn't happened, but it's always Sunday night football, which was scheduled to be the Bucks and the Raiders. 
Gruden's old team the first time he was taking on Tampa since, of course, he has returned to the NFL with the Raiders, his second go-around with the silver and black. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. J. will be back with us on Monday. He's batting a little bit of a tooth ailment. We'll talk a little World Series coming up here with Eduardo Perez as well. Keys Dodgers, big weekend set for him. Game number three, and you know I love the numbers. In the last quarter century or so, when the World Series is tied at one game apiece, we head to game three. Almost always, not always, but almost always, the winner of game three does go on to win the Fall Classic. So this is a huge, huge game for both teams tonight. Let's go Dodgers! And if you're a Rays fan, it's let's go Morton. It'll be Walker Bueller and Charlie Morton. We'll talk about it with Eduardo Perez coming up at 640. I want to talk about what Schefter just mentioned. You're a sneaky Rays fan, though. I can already (laughs) feel it. Equal time. Equal time, right? Political season. Got to have it there for both. It's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Let's get straight into the discussion here. Just in case you didn't put together everything Schefter said, because there was a lot going on. Essentially, Trent Brown, Raiders offensive lineman, testing positive, put on the COVID list. The rest of the offensive line was deemed to be high-risk close contacts because obviously they're in the meeting room together, they're in huddles together, all of those sorts of things. The NFL is recently, a lot of people haven't realized this, there's so much going on in the world, but this is our job. So we know that the NFL has recently modified their policy with the coronavirus, so guys have to go into five days of isolation. But to be honest with you, considering this was a Monday-Tuesday issue, if all the guys on the offensive line can get through the five-day isolation period, they can play on Sunday. One key note, key, is that the game was supposed to be on Sunday night football. It has been moved back to a late afternoon game. Arizona and Seattle will become the Sunday night game. You might be wondering, why in the world would they do that, especially if they're not moving the game off of Sunday, right? They're not moving the game. They're just sliding it. The NFL released a statement yesterday saying, we want our fans to have a Sunday night football game to watch. And if there's any further positive tests for the Raiders, we would have to do something with the game, meaning Sunday night, 20 million people would not be able to watch this game. So let's take a game that right now has no issues, is on the West Coast, and let's be honest, is high profile and something people would want to watch. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. So that game slides in because right now no problems with either of those two teams. Raiders game slides back. If something happens, you kill the 405 game. No big deal. The fans still get Sunday night. What do you make of it? Smart smart by the NFL uh, because you certainly don't know what the outcome is going to be with the five offense alignment. If you're the Oakland Raiders, you can't go into a game, you know, uh, uh, with less than – your what le, less than the offensive lineman that you would traditionally have. You may be able to miss a Trent Brown or maybe one or two guys, but when you're talking about your entire offensive line, like that, that's they're there to protect your hundred million dollar quarterback. And if you try to play this game and you don't have your full offensive line, you got to take guys off the practice squad that have not had an opportunity to practice together at with the first unit or your first unit has really, hasn't really had an opportunity to practice for this game, it's going to be hard to even put the game on and, and get good football out of it. When your offensive line is not in sync, there's a lot of different things that have to go on. The line has to have certain line calls. The center has to redirect the protections. They have to be in sync. When you're talking about blocking in the run game and you're talking about the defensive end on uh, uh, being blocked by the tight end, or the left or right tackle, and those guys have to double-team something, scraping over the top, and they've now got to get to the middle linebacker who's shifting. This is so many different elements to what the offensive line has to do 
in continuity for this particular game plan. And if they're not in sync, it's going to be a disaster. No doubt. This is like playing a game without a position group. If you want to distill it down to that. Seven now, on seven. Seven on seven. Flag football. Okay, he's flagged. I got him. I got him. I will mention this. Everything going on this offseason with the coronavirus and the NFL's plans, I got to give the league a ton of credit. They actually formed an outside committee before the season started to take things like this into account because this would be a competitive consideration situation. This isn't just like five guys on the 55 testing positive. This could be five guys on one unit yes. protecting the most important player yeah. on the team, and they thought about it. And then what if, what if let's take it a step further away from the offensive line. What, is, what if it's your quarterback group, and all you have is those three in the room, and all of a sudden Derek Carr to the backup to the backup to the backup. They're all wiped out. Now what do you do? You're going to go sign somebody off the streets and expect for them to come in in a day, learn your system, and play? That's not You can't do that. That's unfair. Damian Woody spent his entire career playing offensive line in the NFL. He is an ESPN NFL analyst. He was on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt just hours ago, and he took us inside the perspective of an interior lineman and what it would mean for the Raiders if that entire interior front was somehow unavailable. How do you get five guys ready to go when you're not on the practice field? I mean, it's, a, it's the most critical unit on the team. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're going to be doing Zoom and getting ready for a Todd Bowles defense that ate Aaron Rodgers' lunch last week? Uh This is not like two teams playing on Thursday where you basically do a walkthrough. This is not the same situation here. Mm -hmm. I would be terrified if I'm Derek Carr if my starting guys aren't out there. And and that's what I said, right? I mean, it's like your whole entire unit is gone. And you got all these new faces. It just it can't happen. Damon Woody knows. And even if you, or even if if they decide that okay, no one's tested positive, right. we can play this game. They haven't practiced together. Sure, like they need to be able to get a feel for one another. Uh, you you say well well they've been doing it now for five or six games. It's not the same. It's game to game. Yes, and we should mention offensive linemen. What's the old saying? You never notice when they're out there. I bet if they're not out there, we would definitely notice. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Still to come, what could have been in New England and what is in New England at the most important position in football, all meeting Sunday. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Remember, Ngakwe was traded from the Jags to the Vikings. So this is his second move already this season. The uh, 
Ravens are on the bye, and they're also going to bring in Dez this week. That is very unique <laughs> to be traded like that. For Yannick. For Yannick. It helps, it helps Baltimore, no question about it. It'll finally be able to bring Matt Junon out of witness protection because we've been looking for him for a long time now. He had two sacks against the Washington football team, but so far he hasn't had very many uh, sacks since then, and this will help him for sure. And as I mentioned, Dez hasn't played in the league since 2017. Bryant making his way to Baltimore. We'll see if they decide to sign him. The Big Ten gets underway tonight. They've set their cancellation policies key. If a game can't be played, it'll be a no contest. There's no forfeiture. This team wins because the other team doesn't have the players ready to go or their COVID test. Straight up, no contest. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren on SportsCenter with SVP last night on what he's learned since they decided to postpone, backtrack, and come back. We could have done a better job of really talking more about the great work that was being done in our conference to get us to this weekend. Uh, like I said, it's been 72 days. We've accomplished a lot. I know that we've created an environment where our student athletes are so much more uh, healthier and safe as we go into the season. So, Key, you've been uncomfortable with the idea of college football being played at all since the minute we flipped our microphones on this show August 17th. Does what he said make you feel any better as a parent, as a person? I mean, it's, it, everybody's been playing now. So everything I was talking about a couple months ago, that's out the window. I'm not even – they're playing. What can I say? And I think that's what Kevin they're, Warren says. I can't playing. take the lashback from the fans. If everybody's playing, games are being delayed, postponed, yeah. but eventually being played all the money – is coming in. We should mention it. I just you're... hope that they take care of the players for their futures. Hope they figure that out. Yes. And we should mention Big Ten again tonight, Illinois, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, big threat in the Big Ten West as always tomorrow. Let's Keith. go, Lovey Smith. Let's go. <laughs> Illinois had a great year last year, knocked off Michigan State as a 30 point underdog. People were wondering whether well, Lovey had it. A great year. They had six, they won six games. But for them, <laughs> he was on the verge of getting fired and they went to a bowl game and pulled off one of the biggest upsets in college football in 30 years. That qualifies for no, something. I, I get it, but. They're like a great year. I'm like, they won like six games. For them, it's been great. It's been a long time. Kirk Kittner ain't walking through that door. All right. Big 10, big games this weekend. Michigan, Minnesota, that's where game day will be. It's Saturday night football as well. And Ohio State, the return of a playoff contender and a Heisman Trophy candidate in Justin Fields. You excited about either one of those two tomorrow? I want to see Ohio State. I want to, because they, they just have been one of the premier programs for a very long time in college football. Justin Fields did not, he did not opt out. It's like he stayed with the course. This is what he wanted to do. Now he gets an opportunity on the big stage to do it all over again and hopefully get his team back in the Final Four. And remember, Fields joined us on the very first day of Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin putting out a petition saying, we got to get back, we got to get back, we got to get back. Well, guess what? That perseverance has paid off and the Big Ten is back again tonight. We'll see Wisconsin. We'll see Michigan play Minnesota tomorrow. Ohio State take on Nebraska. Still to come, one in six for the Giants. And Key says, Joe Judge, so far, not so bad. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.